I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. I'm so happy to have you back with the Parenting Aces podcast. We are going to be talking with Coach Todd Whittem in part three of our series on the business behind the tennis business. And Todd, once again, has some really great insights to share on helping all of us choose the right coach for our kids, understanding what we need to be looking for and the right questions to ask when we're out there searching for the ideal coaching situation. Because let's face it, I mean, you know, finding the right coach is probably one of the toughest things about this sport. And finding a coach that can take our child from beginner all the way up to college or even professional tennis is next to impossible. And I think, you know, if we go into this looking for a one-size-fits-all coach, then we may be limiting ourselves uh, unnecessarily. I think it's really important that we look for a coach that is going to work well for whatever age and stage our child is at. And so I think that's a really important point, and you'll hear Todd and I talk about that during our conversation. Um, but besides that, I, you know, I'm really hoping that these conversations help my listeners, when you are making decisions about your child's tennis and how to proceed, and there's no right or wrong here, there's no one-size-fits-all, each child is different. Even if you've got multiple children in your family who play, you may find yourself experiencing things very differently with child number one and child number two or child number three. And I think you know, as parents, we, we know this in terms of our kids' academics or their interests or their personalities, but sometimes we forget that when it's a sport and we have more than one child playing that sport, we kind of expect that the experience is going to be similar for all of our children, and I'm here to tell you it's not. So <laughs> hopefully you'll be able to keep an open mind and learn something new this week. As always, I learn from every guest on this podcast. I'm always thrilled to have these conversations and to be able to share them with you. So hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Parenting Aces podcast. And here's Todd Whittem. Welcome back, Todd Whittem, for part three of our conversation on the business of coaching tennis. And I'm really excited to have you back. And what are we talking about this week? Hi, Lisa. Thanks very much for inviting me back on the show for the uh, third episode of the business side of tennis. And I would like to talk about the development of a player from a young age all the way through to their latter years of junior tennis, as well as hopefully into college tennis and maybe some players that have gone the professional route, maybe at 18 years old and, and knock on the college or if they've turned professional you know, throughout throughout their college tennis. Okay, cool. Let's definitely talk about that. And just for my listeners, just to clarify, I want y'all to know what we're touching on here is is supposed to be helpful for y'all as parents and the people who are funding this journey for your children. And so what Todd and I are going to focus on in this conversation this week is not necessarily what 
coaches need to do in terms of the nuts and bolts, the X's and O's of teaching strokes and those types of things, but more um, really looking at a coach and their plan for the development of your child and understanding what that means. Did I say that correctly, Todd? Yes, you did. Absolutely, you did. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes I, you know, it sounds really good in my head, and then it comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, what? what? That is not what I meant. Okay, cool. So so let's jump right in here. I mean, let's let's start with the family that has a seven, eight-year-old child who has expressed an interest in playing tennis, and this family is looking for the right coach, the right facility to take their kid starting at the beginning, beginning levels of the game. What what are the things that they need to be looking for and looking out for? Sure. So a, a beginning tennis player, in, in my opinion, obviously the fundamentals are going to be extremely important at a young age. You're learning the grips that are proper for each stroke, the the movements, the swings, those, those types of things, as as well as le- learning how to. Obviously, depending on how fast the child the child learns these these different things, then you start to go through shot tolerance and and learning maybe the cross courts and the down the lines and 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 and, and different areas where you like the the young child to to hit the ball in the, in the workouts. Um, this usually, it usually starts with hand feeding and, and bucket feeding and, and all those things are good. And you got to make sure that, you know, that they're, they're, they're doing all, all the proper fundamentals of, of the movement and the swings and the grips and making sure that they're not reverting back to some, some old habits that maybe they were, they were doing, you know, fooling around in, in tennis. So those are extremely important to get off to a great start. I was blessed to to have a very good foundation from the start, but I'm not seeing that all the time, but the foundation is is crucial so that you can continue developing as a tennis player. And hopefully it's a smooth, smooth transition from level to level throughout the child's junior tennis career. Right. And so, I mean, from a, from a parent perspective, the things that they need to be aware of, are what? I mean, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that there are coaches out there that are just in it to make a buck. And that's really all they want. I mean, that's all they're interested in. How, I mean, what what should they be doing? And, and, and what are the things that that the parents can look at in terms of making sure that they're not with a coach who is just out to do that. Right. Well, what I can tell you, and and recently I've started giving some lessons to a, to a young boy, he's eight years old and we started and, and he needed a little bit of fixing with his grip and his swing and and learning how to move and, and and those types of things. He had been playing tennis for, for about a year, two years, and quite honestly, there, there's a progression, and so I get the joy when I see any student progress. It could be this this young boy at eight years old. It could be a 16 year old. It could be my college boys when they come here over Christmas break, 
and they're maybe a little rusty because they took a vacation at home, but they're getting ready for their college tennis season and and they get a lot better in a week or two weeks and they feel like they're really ready to have a great season. Um, in terms of in terms of a, of a beginning tennis player, once I see that some things are set with their grips and, and their swings and, and their movements, I start progressing to more, more advanced drills. It could be if we're just doing maybe just some forehands and I'm, and I'm feeding the ball right to him, then we start incorporating the movement and the balance. And then once, once, for example, once, once, once that particular player has good technique at, at the net, then they can start to learn maybe an approach and a volley. We start to learn cross courts and down the lines instead of that, that young person hitting the ball right to me. I just trying to have them make solid contact. So once, once they start to get this progression, then it starts for me, it, it starts to get a lot more exciting to to go through this progression with with these players, whether it's an eight year old, an eighteen year old, a twenty year old, whatever the age shall be, and and that that's really what excites me to get on the court every day. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, one of the things that that you and I talk about a lot is the idea of parents understanding development in the short term and development for the long haul. And, you know, this is where I think a lot of coaches end up taking advantage of families is they're all about, you know, being the number one eight-year-old, the number one 10-year-old. And that may serve the player, may not serve the player, but if the coach doesn't understand long-term development and how to develop a player to peak in the 16s and 18s, then, you know, is it a waste? Well, it, it can be. I can, I can tell you that if things are not done properly and communicated well with, with the parents, it can, it can end up not going so well. Um, for example, I can tell you that whoever comes to me, whether it's a 14 year old junior or a 16 year old, 17 year old, a college player, I try to always find out the background of, of that, of the player, but also the person. So it could be maybe who they've trained with in the past, their parenting situation. Um, and I, and then I look at the long term of long-term development of where basically the goals and dreams are of that particular player. So I, I then kind of try to formulate a game style in my head that would be very beneficial for, for that particular individual. And it may be based on the size that they may be one day looking at their parents and looking at how, how they are physically. It could, it could depend on, what kind of athlete they are it could depend on at that current time, what kind of techniques they currently have that maybe they do need some fixing, possibly, maybe not. So there's so many factors that I look at to, to then come up with a plan in my head and then obviously communicate it to them and their parents on how this, this particular player is going to be their most successful, be the most successful player that they can be based on their goals and dreams of where they would like their tennis to take them. So, you know, from, again, from an investment standpoint on the part of the 
the family, if you're spending, you know, hundreds of dollars a week, maybe even thousands of dollars a week on lessons because the coach has convinced you that that's what you need to do for your kid to be number one in in the country in the 12 and unders, should that be a red flag? I think so. In many cases, it is. Um, I'm not excited to be seeing a, a top 12-year-old or 14-year-old in the country, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's nice that they've they've put in some good training hours, maybe, and they've 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 trained maybe well, maybe not well. I mean, there's there's plenty of cases. There's lots and lots of cases of kids that are not doing the right things for the long term, and a, and a very educated coach could see that if they were if they were watching a tournament. But in the short term, they're winning a lot of tennis matches. Everyone is happy. The parents are happy. The the investment is great. Our child is winning a lot of tennis matches. Um, the coach is happy. It's always great to get that nice check. But if you're really in it for the long-term development of, of the player, if you're looking at the 12s and 14s and you're, and you're, and you're really, really, really looking over the wins and losses at, at, at that age and making sure that that player is winning a lot of matches. then that's not, that's not a long-term, that's not long-term thinking for that, for that particular player. Um, so then that can be a little tricky as, as, as the, as the developing junior player gets older, it can, it can actually, it can be very tricky because many, many, I can tell you from examples that many, many junior players, they may develop early physically at a young age. They may have had more repetitions. They may have had more hours on the court, but as, as the children start becoming 15, 16, 17 years old, now it's more of an even playing field. That's when you see who's really developing and who's been working at their game and who has the proper game to take, to take the next step, which could be, which hopefully is college tennis and potentially maybe professional tennis. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so what are some of the telltale signs besides the fact that, you know, maybe the coaches posting pictures every week of the kids winning the tens and twelves? <laughs> right. Um which I always it's, take it's, as a as a sign that uh this coach doesn't get it. <laughs> you know. Let let's right. celebrate well, let's let's celebrate development, let's not celebrate outcomes. Right. Well for for example, the the players that I train, they're obviously older. They're they're teenagers and they have very high expectations of them of, of themselves to be going to great colleges and everything and they're full time with me all day long. But in, in terms of the social media and putting pictures up, I, I do that for for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's great for me. You can see kind of what's going on, and it's a free marketing and everything. But it's also great for the kids. For example, I put some nice videos of them working out uh, physically this past week on Facebook and and everything. And it, and it is great for me, free marketing. There's thousands of people that are looking at it, but also it's it's great for them because it gives them great exposure for college tennis. And there's a lot of colleges that are looking at the stuff that I post and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and many of them I'm very good friends with. So over the past week or week and a half, I've had three college coaches come out here 
and watch my workouts and take a, and take a look at my players. So it's obviously great for me, but it's really great for them. And and the ultimate goal is is for for many of them is to go to the best college that they can. So we've had some great universities come out. Um, in terms of putting a ten and a twelve year old on the internet and everything, that doesn't really impress me at all because uh, at that age, it's just about developing many different aspects of your game and training and and so many different different things that it's great that they could bring home a trophy but if you're if you're thinking of the long-term development of, of any of these players then i don't i don't i don't understand why mhm mhm um so i mean again i think you know from a a business perspective and from the parents perspective trying to make very informed, educated choices about who works with their children. Um, What are the questions that the parents need to be asking the coach about what the plan is? How, How can a parent determine through a conversation with a potential coach whether or not this coach understands long-term development and whether or not they are going to do what they need to do, the coach needs to do to have a plan in place that obviously can be adjusted um, based on circumstance, but that addresses things like balancing a social life, dealing with injury and, and doing what they need to do to prevent injury. Um, you know, trying to prevent burnout, um, trying to accommodate for family time, vacation time, et cetera, um, understanding periodization of training. You know, what what questions or, or what what are some of the telltale signs for all of that? And is there a way to really have a good sense of whether a coach understands all of these things? Right. For me, for many of the, I know that was the a lot people of that stuff. are there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I I understand the question. For for many of the people that are that are listening to this, you need to find someone that understands your child and understands how to get the best out of them each and every day, how to push their buttons so that they love what they're doing and they see the improvement and they want to come back day after day after day. That's that's not that's not easy to find, and each and every child, for the parents that are listening to this, each and every child is different. They play tennis differently. Their brains are different. Their bodies are different. Their parenting situation is different. Their previous coaching was different, and so the coach has to really be able to adapt to many different situations. I can tell you, for the five players that I'm training full time, five hours a day right now, they are all different animals. And so mm-hmm. they have different goals and different dreams, but physically and and technically they're all different animals and and to push each and every one's buttons are is is a is is totally different case by case from to what I do to each and every player every single day. And my goal is to get the most out of them each and every moment that they're on the court. And if I'm not, then there, then there's something wrong. I don't want them bored. I don't want them staring into the clouds. I don't want them unengaged um, in, in a workout. To me, then that that's that's a waste of time, and it's and it's a and it's a failure. And the results are going to show it. So, I think that I think that's the job. But 
also, my job is not to get masses of kids and fill a bunch of tennis courts and have a big staff under me. So it's a little bit different scenario. And if, if, if that's the case, then you're, you're getting, you're getting what you're getting. You're getting the cookie cutter feeding balls and having a bunch of kids hit balls and it, and really it for, for your child. Right. Well, as we discussed in our last conversation, you know, there, one of the things that parents need to look at is asking the question, you know, Hey, I know such and such coach is training, you know, the top kids in each of the age groups in our state, you know, and so this must be the best coach around, but who is my kid going to be hitting with when they're out there? And, you know, how do I, I mean, of course, a, a coach or an academy is going to feature their their trophy winning kids because that brings in business. But if my kid's not on a court with those kids or with that particular coach, then my kid is not getting the same level of instruction and training that those trophy winning kids are getting or may not be getting the same level. I shouldn't say they aren't because the coach may have several assistants that are equally or even more qualified. Right. I, I can, I can tell you basically how my business started for the first, maybe three, four, five years of, of, of coaching in a, a small system or privately most of the kids and parents that came to me, it was, it was very much crunch time in the, in their child's, in their child's tennis careers. They, the parents came to me and, and they were, they were very concerned that their, their son or daughter wasn't going to go to a good college because their results were not great. And they really wanted their son or daughter to, to be playing at a, at a, at a high level division one school. And they had spent a lot of money. And, and so when someone comes to me at 16, 17, 18 years old, and, and you're seeing that there's, you know, maybe the, the young, the junior players not having the results that, that they would really like. And there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. It's a, it's a lot of work and a, and a lot of, and a lot of repetitions and a lot of hours to be fixing these things on a daily basis. Um, it, these things won't be fixed in a one hour lesson, they're going to be fixed when someone is on the court with your child for many hours a day. For, for me, I'm, I'm with them four hours of tennis a day, plus an hour of physical fitness. And I monitor it every single day. And so I'm seeing their development and I'm seeing what needs to be tweaked or fixed every single day. And that's how these players went to great schools and they, and they played very high in their lineups and the results were very good. But without that, there's, there was no chance that many of these players would be playing at those types of schools and in, and in the top spots of those lineups. There's just, there's just no way. So that's why the, the foundation for the parents that are listening to this, the foundation for your, for your young child, depending on when they start tennis, it could be six, seven years old, like, like me, or even later, it could be eight, eight, 10, 11, 12 years old. The foundation is extremely important because then you have a lot to work with as a coach. So mm-hmm. when, when someone does come to me and the, and, the, and, and the child is 16, 18 years old and they have maybe serving problems or forehand, backhand problems, 
whatever it shall be, then that's very late in the, in the development to be fixing those things. You should be working on other things rather than teaching uh, a stroke, a, a serve, a forehand, a backhand, whatever it shall be. At that age, those those fundamentals should be very set in place. And, and honestly, hopefully, the coach wouldn't have to touch it. Right. And, and I mean, there's a huge difference in getting a kid in their late teens versus getting a kid at six or seven or eight, um, you know, and having to undo things versus being able to put the essentials and the foundation in place from the get-go, right? I mean, that's a totally different animal. And so what we're trying to avoid through these conversations is we're trying to avoid the situation that you're describing where a family is contacting you a year, two years before their child's ready to go play college and in a panic because (laughs) they've finally realized that their child has not been getting proper coaching. And, and I, I know that situation. I mean, we were that situation. So, you know, there's no getting that time back. I mean, thank goodness there are people like you out there, Todd, who understand how to fix problems, but ideally we don't have the problems to begin with. We wind up in a situation with our family and our our children where they're getting the best coaching possible from day one. Yeah, it's that that would that would be ideal. Um and and then in the most ideal situation, you're with that coach for a long time, like I was for 20 years, right? right. From six years old right. to when I retired from the ATP tour at 26 years old. Um, that's the most ideal situation. But I had coaches that could develop a beginner all the way through to the ATP tour, which is, which is rare. And they could teach all the different aspects of tennis and what it was going to take for that, for that particular player to reach their potential. Um, so you may have you may have coaches that are very good with with youngsters with kids at 6 8 10 years old then you may have coaches that are very good from 13 or 14 and on that that may be possible as well my goal is mm-hmm. to be the most well-rounded coach that I can be and be able to teach all the levels just like what was taught to me so that I can help anyone that contacts me or walks through the door. And, and that, and that's my, that's, that's my goal. It's not to only have and and be a fixer up or a doctor of tennis for 16 to 18 year old kids that with parents that are panicking about their child's college tennis. I've done that. That's how this actually started. My business started that way. And it was a lot of stress on me. It was a lot of stress on, on the junior player and the parents were very, very stressed out, especially because many of them had relocated to South Florida for their child to become a phenomenal tennis player. So it's on, everyone has their part, but it was very, very stressful on, on everyone's part. And the only way that I knew how to fix those things was to get, get my bucket out every single day, get on the court and just keep going at it all day long. Like a tutor does for, for, for a child's, for a child's schooling to go over it all day long. And it's like putting flashcards 
in that in that young child's face all day long and then to go see it in tournaments to make sure that their bad habits are gone because that's the true test when they're playing in tournaments when they're under the most stress and pressure is that are are the habits broken or they're still coming back and then I could move on to other things but that was really the basis of my business for the first four or five years. But I mean, I think, as you said, it's hard to find a coach that does have the ability to take a player all the way through the development process. So the reality is that most families are going to deal with changing coaches at some point, at least once. Right. Right. I mean, that's just the reality. So, you know, we want to make sure, again, that when they do make that change, that it's the right change that, you know, that the coach that you're choosing really does have the skills to understand long-term development, whether that development starts at six or eight years old, or, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, switching it at age 15, 16 to somebody, um, they still have to have that long-term big picture in mind. I, I, I think. I think you're absolutely correct. What what I see, and and this is this would be good information for the parents, is that you have children that go from a particular training environment that maybe worked for that particular per, for their for their particular child, and maybe they outgrew it or whatever the the case shall be, and then they go to another environment that's completely different. And it could be something where the the workouts were super intense, maybe. And then they went to another environment where the workouts weren't so intense and it was more lax. It could be where the the environment was a highly technical environment where technique was emphasized all day long. And, and so their brain was very much in tune with technical, technical, technical tennis and not with being natural and and learning many different things. It was more of out of a book. So you have to really choose wisely that this is the type of coaching my child has received. And if we do move on from that coach, we need to, we need to find something where they can, where they can really add to the development of what my child has already received. I see all too Mm -hmm. often where uh, a certain, a certain, uh, the parents and, and the child, they they move on and they go to something completely different from what they've been accustomed to. And, and that could be a little dangerous as well. So you have to be, you have to be very organized and, and very knowledgeable about who you're going to choose for, for your junior player. Right. Right. Oh, this is such a, it's such a frustrating conversation to have, honestly. I mean, because I feel like, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. Um, and yet I continue to get phone calls and emails from families that are, you know, they're, they're in a panic because they, you know, come to the realization that they've spent all this time with a coach that has really done nothing to further their child's development. Yes, their child may have beautiful 
ground strokes and, you know, 120 mile an hour serve, but their child's still not winning matches and still not being actively recruited by college coaches. And, and they don't understand why, you know, what's, where's the disconnect here? And so this is what I'm hoping these conversations will help avoid as we move forward. Um, I mean, I got, I got an email a couple of weeks ago and I actually gave this woman your, your contact info, Todd. Um, she, is very upset. She's got twins and um, they are not receiving the coaching that they need. Um, They really want to focus on doubles, uh, a la the Bryan brothers. And they tried college and it was not a good fit. And she's just struggling because her, her sons are struggling. And you know, to me, it's like, I, I mean, this is just such a sad story. And, and they don't they don't live in a tennis hotbed, but they do live in an area with some really good coaches and some really good playing opportunities. So the fact that they feel like they've missed, you know, having these opportunities is heartbreaking. And, and I mean, I, I ended up having a phone conversation with the mom and you know, she, you can pick it up in her voice. I mean, she's terribly upset about where they've wound up and, you know, their situation. And now at, at a late age, they're trying to kind of regroup. Um, but as we've said a million times, you know, the money, I mean, the money's one thing. You spend it, it's gone, but hopefully you make more. The time is a totally different animal. Once it's gone, it is gone. I mean, you have till age 18 to develop as a junior player. And then hopefully you have four more years to develop in college. And then what happens beyond that, you know, there are a lot of options, I guess. But, I mean, once those years are gone, they're gone. And when I hear stories like this, and and she, this mom is just one of many, many, many <laughs> that have reached out to me. It breaks my heart because I've been there. I get it. Yeah, I've uh, I've had plenty of cases. Like I said, that that's that's kind of how my how this whole TW tennis my business started, which it's been right. getting better and better every year. But that that's how it started, quite honestly. So. Uh, and I and I can tell you well, in, I guess, in, in mo- yeah go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I I guess what I want my listeners to hear is, you know, I know we have this conversation over and over and over again on this podcast, but I think it's such an important conversation to keep having because every time I talk with you, Todd, or talk with another you know highly respected coach, I think we all learn something new. We learn new ways of looking at things. We learn new questions to ask. Um, We learn more about what the development process needs to look like. And, you know, as with anything, I mean, I, I forget what the science is now, but, you know, you're supposed to hear something X number of times before you remember it, before you internalize it. So, 
you know, while some of this may seem repetitive, I think it's really important to keep having these conversations. Uh, absolutely. I'm always learning as well. I'm sure, Lisa, you're learning from maybe some of our discussions or other well-qualified people in tennis that, that you speak to as well. Um, but the the truth, the, the, the truth and the honesty about the junior development and where the American kids are hopefully going to college, it's, it's, it's not, it's not going up. I can tell you that. And, and that, then that, that really is unfortunate. Um, all you have to do is look at where the American kids are signing for college at all levels, whether it's division one, division two, division three, maybe, maybe NAIA, whatever schools that the, that these kids are, are, are choosing and it's only getting tougher and tougher. Um, the, the squads at these, at these universities, the coaches are, if you just look at, look at the, the, the rosters, there's more foreign players coming in and, and there's, and there's particular and very, very good reasoning behind it. And, and it, I guess it, it is what it is, but it really, the, the, the college coaches are going to pick who they think is best whether the whether the junior player is American or not. And I mean, let's let's be honest. The coaches prefer to recruit American kids. That's their first choice. They understand that that wins them a lot of brownie points, you know, um, and, and, you know, that's that's where they go first. But. I mean, like you said, the reality is that there just aren't enough good American kids to fill the rosters at all of these schools. And, you know, there are schools out there that the American kids refuse to look at for whatever reason, whether it's location, whether it's the division level, whether it's academic reputation, um, whatever it is. And, so the the college coaches have no choice. Now you said you know that that there are specific reasons driving the coaches to go international. Can you be more specific about that? I mean, let's sure. we're, we're talking real stuff here. Let's let's put it all out there. These parents need to understand. Uh, absolutely. So I've been very fortunate, and I've, I've probably spoken about this in in the other shows. I've been very fortunate to be offered some very nice positions in college tennis. And every time I see the college coaches at, at, at a super national tournament, they, they always ask, why aren't you in college tennis, Todd? And I really just didn't want to leave the South Florida area because to become a, to become a head coach at a great university, you may need to, may need to jump around all over the country before you land that, that awesome job. So I never, I never wanted to relocate. So I've been very lucky to do what I'm doing in South Florida. And in my, in my opinion, do it the best and right way. So in terms of why the college coaches are maybe going a a far and way, and and I'm going to tell you the truth. I had three great coaches come over in the past week, week and a half to take a look at some of my students. And one of the first questions they ask is how's the parenting situation? Not can this kid hit forehands and backhands and serves? How are the parents? And I was, and, and I had heard about this, but now they're asking me. 
So that was question number one. Um, the second thing, and, and I can they, tell you. Wait, wait, before you move on, what did they mean by that? They want to they wanna know basically how tough the parents are maybe on the kid. Um, if they're going to be a pain in the neck for them for four years, calling them all the time. <laughs> and some of the parents mm-hmm. that are listening to this are going to be like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? There are parents that are calling these coaches and the, and, my, and the child is away at college. Yeah. Right. And so they know that if they recruit a foreign tennis player, they're not getting calls from Europe and South America that they, they're pretty certain that's not going to happen. So that's that's the reasoning for that. Num- number two. Okay. I can tell you, and, and this is the truth also, is that there are American kids that are very, very happy to be signing for, for their dream school or, or whatever it shall be. And their senior year, they don't train and compete like they're getting ready to be playing on that team. And that's, that's very frustrating. I've seen it in multiple cases recently. And... If I was a college coach, it would infuriate me that I recruited a player that told me he was going to work hard and be devoted to my program for four years. And in their senior year of high school, they're not doing anything that they told me that they were going to do, like train hard and and, and still improve their skills and play tournaments and maybe play maybe lower level professional tournaments or nationals. And they basically shut it down or, or just you know, just chill out their senior year. Right. And so they think then that the player is not hungry, which they're right. So they gave a scholarship to those certain players. And now they don't know what to do because now they're stuck giving a scholarship maybe to a player that can maybe fight for a spot in their lineup, or they know for sure that due to their results, they're not going to be playing in the lineup. And so that's, 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 that's tough for a college coach to, to swallow. Cause that, Especially that on the men's side where they only have four and a half scholarships to deal with. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and I've seen it. I've seen it with, right. with players here in South Florida. And I'm, like, and I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe the mentality of these players. Because if I was them, I'd be working even harder to be playing higher in the lineup, which may open doors for my future or whatever it shall be. And they're going the other way. So that's, right. that's, it's very disappointing. I wouldn't train a player like that. I'm not going to just take their parents' money, but you know, because I, I enjoy being on the court, but the kids have to give me their effort and they want to have to learn and, and, and all those things that I demand out of them on a daily basis. But that, that would, that would, it, it's terrible. Right. And so the college coaches are thinking that the foreign kids are hungry. They are so excited to be coming to the United States to have an opportunity. Many of them. And and I can tell you, I have one player that 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 was a very, very high ranked ITF player and a college coach called me and he's staying here in in the the U.S. And I'm pretty certain that he's staying here in the U.S. because he can't afford a plane ticket home. Okay, and and wow. and he's not the only one, and that's over Christmas. So he's 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 welcome to come and train with my players. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal experience for the for the kids that I train, male male and female kids that I train. And so, and 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 he's a, and he's a kid that wants to become a professional tennis player. 
they're 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 starving. So so the the kids that are coming from overseas, it's 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 for them, it's a life and death situation. If they can get here to America and they can play tennis, they can have a life. And that's a whole different ball game. And I had that same discussion with my with with the kids that I trained, I think it was yesterday or the day before, about my mentality growing up trying to pursue professional tennis. It was out of necessity and hunger. It wasn't out of, you know, oh, I just kind of enjoy playing tennis. And I did. I loved playing tennis. But the, the end result was, how am I going to earn a living and what am I best at? And the bottom line is tennis. And that's what they're thinking too. Now, maybe at a college level or a professional level, but that is what they're thinking. For me, it was, I don't like to say this, but for me, it was a life and death situation. It's like, a, it's like what I used to see at the University of Miami, where I would see the football players and they were going at it very, very hard every single day because it was either they were going to make it in professional football or they were going back to poverty. And so I wasn't mm-hmm. poverty stricken, but that was my mentality. And that's the mentality of, I can tell you, of many professional tennis players that you're watching on TV right now. So, and and at a lower level... Can I interrupt you again? Can I interrupt you again? Sorry, I know listeners, forgive me for doing that. But um, so my question to you then is, for those kids that, the American kids that, that basically decide to hang it up for their senior year of high school and kind of coast... What role does the parent play in that? And what role does the junior coach play in that? I mean, I, on one hand, I feel like as a parent, if if my child has been offered a position and scholarship money, it's my responsibility to make sure my child is positioned in the best possible way when he or she steps foot on that campus the following year. As a junior coach, the same thing. I, I mean, it reflects on me as the coach if my charge shows up on that campus next year and isn't match tough, isn't physically fit, isn't mentally ready to compete, right? I, I think I think the the whole situation uh, you whether you want to blame it or whatever you, whatever you'd like to call it from a coaching perspective, I'm, I'm tough on my players, but I don't force them to play tennis. If I have to force a young person to play tennis and they don't want to play tennis, I'm not going to be on the court with them. They have to want to enjoy learning and playing tennis. So if someone signs for, for college and they decide to, to hang it up and chill out their senior year, it tells you right then and there how much they really enjoy and love playing tennis and what kind of goals and dreams they have in their brain. To me, it's not much. Um, but I, but so, I also feel like that, that comes from the training environment. I mean, there is a way, there's a reason that you as a coach, you Todd Whittem as a coach, are able to keep these kids excited and hungry for it, right? There's something you're doing that's helping maintain that energy around wanting to have success in college. And that's why I'm saying, I feel like, you know, there was a breakdown somewhere 
either at home or during training or maybe both. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's all one or the other. It, it could definitely be a combination. And absolutely the player, him or herself, has responsibility here because as a 17 or 18-year-old, they are old enough to understand the commitment they're making and what their responsibility is as a result of making that commitment. But that's why I'm saying I, I feel like there are coaches out there that just want to be able to say, oh, my kids, you know, 90% of my kids got offered college scholarships. And whether or not the kid continues on that trajectory of working hard and preparing and competing and being ready to be their best when they step foot on campus the following fall, the coach doesn't really care about that. All they care about is being able to say that they had X number of kids get scholarships. The good coaches, the the excellent coaches are in it for the long haul. They are, they are there through that senior year of high school. They are there even through the four years of college to be a sounding board when things aren't going as expected or when the kid gets injured or is sick and can't train the way they want to train or they're not making grades and may get benched for a match or two. I mean, these are the differences between the coach that's in it for the money and the coach that is in it to develop the highest level players they can. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, you're talking about a coach that cares. Right? A coach yes. that cares about that individual. That's rare. That's rare. Right? But why? Why is that so rare? And, and why, why don't we have more of that in the U.S.? And why does there seem to be more of that in other countries? Well, when, when, you, when you have mass systems and you have quite a few players running around, I'm not sure how you can cater to each and every one properly right and also how much do you really enjoy working with working with young players but also how much do you really enjoy seeing that improvement i enjoy getting on the court and watching these children learn and improve watching them smile when they can do something that has gotten better or maybe they haven't been able to do it for a very long time um and i'm and Many of you that are listening, you're going to say, well, these kids are such high level and, and they're great players and, and blah, blah, blah. I get as much enjoyment training training kids that, that aren't such high level. I've trained low-level kids as well, and I get enjoyment out of that. So it really depends on how much you enjoy doing what you're doing and how much you care. There, and, and, and also, you're going, to, you're going to see it when the coach goes out of their way to do things for your child. What, 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 what are they doing for your child? Are they just on the clock? They train from four to six and the second hit six o'clock, pick the balls up, get out of here and goodbye. I see you tomorrow. Or are they doing extras for that child? And are they, are they speaking with them after hours to make sure that everything is okay and they understand what they're doing and just everything A to Z. Um, so it, it, there, there, there are, there are players that, that, that become good players because their coaches care about them, not because many of them are such unbelievable coaches. And, and I've seen that many times. I saw it on the professional tour where all they needed was someone, someone who cared for them 
and someone who made the environment a little bit more fun. And that player did particularly well. I saw, I saw it multiple times. And I was like, wow, that guy really doesn't know much about tennis, but that particular player is doing fantastic because they're just, they're having a good time. They're enjoying themselves out there. And, and that, and that's what they needed. So to me, that that's, that's basically it in a nutshell. How, how much do you care for the, for the, for the child? Right. Right. I agree. Well, Todd, I mean, I, there's just so much to think about and, um, you know, so many questions that we parents need to be asking. There's so, so much due diligence that we need to do when finding the right coach for our kids and, you know, keeping that open line of communication with the coach, keeping the open line of communication with our child is just crucial because the minute the kid stops wanting to do this is really when they need to take a break. And the coach needs to see that. The parents need to see that. And I'm telling you from personal experience, um, you need to honor that. And it's okay for your kid to take three months off or even six months off from playing and training and to do something else, um, you know, and to, to discover or not that that love is there and they want to pursue it, or maybe it's time to move on to something else. And I was that parent when my kid was in high school and we would hear of peers of his who had decided not to play college tennis. I was the one that was just gasping. Oh my God, what do you mean? How horrible, you know, the parents must be distraught that their child who they've invested all this time and money in doesn't want to play in college. I mean, that's what this has all been about is training and getting ready to play in college. Well, I'm here to tell you that the world doesn't end if your kid doesn't play in college. It's okay. They can still go on to be productive, awesome human beings out in the world, even if they choose not to play college tennis. And they can have phenomenal college experiences with or without college tennis. And that doesn't mean that I am any less a fan of college tennis. I still love it. I go to college matches as much as I possibly can, and I adore the sport and encourage everybody to make that their goal. But I just want the parents to understand that that there's no shame in not getting there and that if you listen, really listen to your kid, and if you have a coach who really listens to your kid, then you do what's right for, for that child and, and for your family. I, I agree a hundred percent. I can tell you because I have a child of my own now and, and he's three and a half and, and my players, they, they've, they've been around my, my son and everything. And I just get, and, and he's only three and a half, obviously, but I just get so much joy watching him and watching him smile with whatever sport he wants to play. And he's playing all of them, tennis, golf, hockey, soccer, anything with a ball, football, he's throwing, he goes with me to the university of Miami football games. We have season tickets and he just has so much joy. And I'm thinking to myself, really, it does not matter to me what sport he chooses. And I just want him to be disciplined and really enjoy what he's doing. And that's it. It makes no difference to me really what he would love to play. And you can, and I can just see it, just the joy. I was on the tennis court with him yesterday 
for the first time, just kind of tapping the ball around and he was hitting it over the net and jumping up and down and he's seen my players play. And so he's side shuffling around. And if that's something that he loves to do, then we'll, we'll go for it. And anything that he has a passion to do, I'm hoping that I can make it happen for him. And, and, and that's it. And wherever it takes him, it takes him. And I hope he learns life skills and, and he's just very, very happy. And that's all, that's all I'm really looking for. And, and quite honestly, with, with the parents that are listening to this, the kids that I, that I train, they, they train extremely hard. The videos that you, that you see, it's not a show. This is what they're doing on a daily basis, but they're enjoying it. And, and, and that's most important when, when the joy is gone and if someone is pushing to me, it's never worth it. And, and, and then it, you can bring it into the house and there's, and there's problems in the house and it's just never really worth it. And so to me, that's what it's about. And wherever the sport takes your child, it takes them. And really it's going to be up to them how much they want to put into it. The, whether they have great coaching or not great coaching, it's going to come down to how much they want to put into it, how much discipline and focus. And, and then, and then you see where it takes them. But the most important thing is that they're having joy on the court and they're having, and they're, and they're having fun and that's it. Absolutely. Well, Todd, thanks so much for being on the show again. And um, I know this is probably your lunch break uh, while we're recording this and you've got to get back out to the kids, but um so appreciate your candor and your willingness to really dig deep into the coaching side of tennis and the business side of tennis with all of us. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you very much, Lisa. I appreciate it again. That was fun. My listeners, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at parentingaces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, tennisballs.com.